we're going to be talking about practical holiness, individual personal holiness within each one of our hearts. And I want us to not lose sight of the true author and definition of holiness, which is God himself. God himself is holy. We are nowhere even near the quality of holiness that God is himself. So we will be talking a lot about us, which is a lot of our favorite subjects is us. So there's going to be a lot of practical steps to walk in growing in holiness, but let us not lose sight at any point during this whole message that God himself is holy, and only by beholding him through the word and prayer and worship do we ourselves actually become holy. So let us not lose sight of that. Did everyone get notes? I got a nice little half sheet of notes. If you didn't, Mrs. Sarah Adams, Miss Sarah Adams, Mrs., yeah, I, I always get that wrong. Mrs. Sarah Adams, definitely married to Todd, who will be handing out the notes. Holy matrimony, the institution of God himself. We'll be handing out those notes. So keep your hands raised up while you're getting those passed out. I want to share just a quick word that I had in prayer throughout this week. And it was actually just on a specific day, a specific moment. And it was, full, it was for the, uh, the Hool girls. So you're here, which I'm excited about. So this is for you guys. And I was just walking up and down this aisle here praying. And God showed me y'all and the fact that y'all know the Father's love. You know the Father's love because of your Father on earth. But you know the Father in heaven's love. And you're going to be able to pass this on to classmates and friends in the middle school and high school. And when people need a father's touch, you're like, well, I'm a girl. That, what does that mean? Well, you have a father heart from God, a mothering heart from God, which is just, just the provider, protector, comforter. You're going to be that for your friends at school. And it's going to be really real. And they're going to, you're going to be there in their times of need, just like your dad is for you guys. So you know the father's love. And I pray that for every young person in here, that you would know the Father's love and be able to give that to people, specifically other young people who need that in a, a generation that is largely fatherless or is becoming more fatherless, unfortunately. So, bless you guys. Practical holiness. This little half sheet of notes is going to tell us where we're going this morning. Let me give you a scope of where we're going just so you're prepared First thing, we're going to define holiness from the Old and New Testament perspective. Then we're going to look at the command of God, which is this key verse, Leviticus 11.44, that holiness is actually a command. And then we're going to see that it's, it's his will. It's one of his highest wills for our life or desires for our life. And then we're going to see our personal need or the necessity of holiness that we would possess it and really the motive behind holiness. Why would we pursue holiness? Why would we pursue purity? There is a great end goal to it that we're going to look at. And then we're going to end with three practical steps to holiness. And then, yeah, I just believe God's already done so much this morning through worship, through prayer. And he's just going to continue as my prayer. Just continue, continue to release his holiness into our hearts. And we're going to look different. And that leads me into the Old Testament perspective of holiness. I have a graphic here with a bunch of different words that are going to tell us with the Old Testament word Kodesh. Everyone say Kodesh. That was the Old Testament word for holiness. And it basically, God in the Old Testament used outward things 
things on the outside, places, objects, things in nature, everything on the outside to point to an inward reality. But the Old Testament, big time, like scope, overview of the Old Testament is that it was used to point and to teach the children of Israel that a Messiah was coming who was going to do all these outside things and they were going to actually come into the heart of the believer and they were going to be able to walk them out. So God used the Old Testament as a tutor or a guide and he used outward objects, places, and things to represent the inward reality that Christ himself would fulfill in our hearts. So the Old Testament view of holiness was mainly concerned with outward things, places, objects, cleanliness. It was a lot of ritual. It was a lot of things on the outside. And again, God's heart with it was that the people of Israel would see those outward things and be like, oh, I need that on the inside. That's the real important thing. But he had to start with things that they could tangibly see and feel. And so holy, Kodesh in the Old Testament means to stand out. It's something that's uncommon. It's something that's separate, distinct, set apart, different. I love it. I was thinking of Brooke today. The first time I saw Brooke, she was all of these words to me. She was. She sat across from me at an Ultimate Frisbee tournament, August 20th, 2016, and she was set apart, different, separate, sanctified, dedicated, other than in my eyes. She was holy to me because she was to be my wife, and God made that very clear. She was consecrated. She didn't blend in. I won't go anywhere with all the other females who were there that day, but she was different. She was holy. She was Kodesh on the outside. But I was really seeing an inward reality that was coming out through her eyes. That's where I saw it the most, was a light coming out of her eyes. It was different. So this is what the Old Testament idea of holiness. People, or sorry, not people, it was places, objects, things, to point to an inward reality that Christ himself would fulfill. So Michelle's going to play us a little video that kind of gives us one of those outward pictures. When Brooke and I were in Los Angeles at the Getty Museum, we were just walking along, and I see this. It was probably a piece of modern art that they, because it's an art museum, but it was just a normal, like, limestone wall. looked like the wall of Jerusalem. But there was one piece of the wall that was sticking out that was different. It was separate. It pointed to something that in my heart was like, oh, that's holy. I was like, Brooke, get out your video. And so this is what happened. <laughs> Not scripted. One might say it's holy. Holy means to stand out or be different. Completely different. Our God, the chief cornerstone, is completely different from any human being. The best, most beautiful, most joyful, most enduring human being ever to exist. He's our Savior. Jesus is our chief cornerstone. Build your life on Him. So, thankfully, in the spontaneity, God turned from just an outward reality to pointing to Jesus, our chief cornerstone, the ultimate holy human being who was completely different. No one ever talked like Him. No one ever healed like Him. No one ever loved like Him. He was holy. And he is the definition of holy God himself in the person of Jesus. So again, the Old Testament, you can think of everything in the Old Testament as outside in. Outside realities pointing to inward realities. With the New Testament, though, it's an inside job. Holiness is purity. Everything is inside out in the New Testament. I want to show you one more picture of of kind of an outward reality. And it was when we were also in, in California. And it was a picture of the sequoia. 
And so the sequoia tree, I won't nerd out on you guys, but it's our baby girl's middle name. And we didn't know we were getting into when we named her that because we learned so many other things about the sequoia. But just simply, guys, these trees, they're awe-inspiring. They're so big. They're so stately. They're so wonderful. They stand out from the crowd. They make the little puny ponderosa pines look like nothing, even though they're way bigger than any of the trees we have here. They make them look like nothing. So even in nature, there's a picture of this tree, this sequoia tree is holy. It's different. It stands out. And there were people from all over the world speaking all these different languages, visiting these trees, and they would just stand up there with their, like, jaws on the ground. And then they'd speak in French or Russian. It was amazing. It was a picture to me of what America is supposed to be, a place of blessing, a place of in a spiritual sense, would be awe-inspiring for the entire rest of the world to come and, and find holiness in God. But he, God chose to put this tree on the west side of the Sierra Nevadas in a little seven or eight-mile strip. Had to be perfect conditions for it to grow. But they're, they're holy. That's what holiness represents is different. In the New Testament, though, it's an inside-out reality. The root word for the New Testament word, if you want to put up that graphic with all the words again, the New Testament word is hagios. And the root word for hagios is, is awe-inspiring. So it's to be holy in the New Testament means that you create awe in other people. Your purity, your righteousness, your devotion, your quality of heart produces awe in people around you, just like those trees did. So the New Testament, everything's inside out. Holiness, instead of being a, a place or an object, is mainly about a purity of heart and of character and of, of integrity. Everything's on the inside. Pure, clean, undefiled, spotless. We can define the New Testament idea of holy with hagios. Awe-inspiring purity within our hearts. Pure, clean, undefiled, spotless. So let's read these other words, the Old Testament words, and now think of them regarding the purity of your heart or the quality of your purity in your heart. Let's read them and think about our hearts. Standing out, uncommon, distinct purity, separate, set apart, different, sanctified, dedicated, consecrated, other than. How many other than people do you know? They don't engage in gossip. They don't engage in watching Game of Thrones. They don't engage. They're other than. They're consecrated. They're pure. Rivers of life flow from them because of their choices. Awesome. We got the definitions down. I'm so thankful it's an inside job. <laughs> Doing all the outside stuff, that gets tiring. <laughs> washing pitchers and cups and having to go to Jerusalem to encounter God, having to be inside the Holy of Holies, having to be on the other side of the veil just to hear God's voice. That would be so sad. Praise God for Christ. Praise God for Jesus. He made, like, wherever we're at. If we're at a football game, Ben, we can encounter God praying for the third down conversion. We did. I felt God's presence on the sideline. I wasn't in Jerusalem. 
the high priest, the only one dude who could hear God. Okay, let's look at the command, will, and necessity for holiness. This will show us why we should care to be holy. It will give us the motive and the end goal behind pursuing holiness. First of all, the command comes from 1 Peter chapter 1. We'll actually go down to the, the verse 15. Peter is quoting Leviticus 11.44 here. But as he who called you is holy, verse 15, you also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. So this is clearly a command. Couldn't be any more clear. If we love Jesus, guys, we will obey his commands. That's how Jesus tells us that we prove our love for him is by obedience. John 14, 15. If you love me, you will obey my commands. But don't let this command or any command in the Bible scare you. Commands aren't meant to be scary. Commands are actually meant to bring hope. Because every command in the Bible is actually a promise. Every command you see in Scripture is actually a promise. Darby, you will be holy. You, there's a, a command, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's actually a promise that, Paul White, you will love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The same quality of love that the Father has for Jesus, you, Paul, will have that. It's incredible. Every command you see in the Bible is not meant to be scary. It's a promise. Why? Because every command that God has given us, he's given us the grace to match that command. Specific, tailored, individual grace or power to walk out that command. For every command in the Bible, there's a specific grace. How do I know this? 2 Corinthians 9, 8. 2 Corinthians 9, 8 makes this promise clear that every command has a grace or a power to walk it out. Here's a verse. And God is able to make all grace or power abound toward you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance or an overflow for every good work. Let me tell you, holiness or pursuing holiness is a good work. He says, you're going to have an abundance, an overflow of my power to become holy, to become like me, to walk out this command from Leviticus 11.44 and 1 Peter 1. Be holy, for I am holy. It can happen. We will not have just, look at this verse again. It's an abundance. It's an overflow. We're not going to have just enough grace to be holy for a day. We're actually going to, it's going to be an easy walk. We're going to have so much. If we, if we receive it, receive the grace to become holy, it's going to become doable, very doable, more than doable. Tightly related to God's command is his will or his desire for our lives. One of the highest wills or desires for us individually is personal holiness or growing in this process of sanctification. I heard it from Breon on Friday night, that God's, she just loves how God is leading her in this sanctifying process of becoming more like him. That's the word, though, sanctifying, holy. It's the, it's the same idea. You're becoming more and more set apart, more and more in love with Jesus. You look more like him every day. It's a desire, not just for Bree, but for all of us. How do I know this? First Thessalonians 4, 3 through 8. 
And I'll just read verse 3 here, the first one. For this is the will of God, or the desire of God, your sanctification, which is your holiness, your set-apartness, your differentness. It's not a word, but it's, you know the, the truth. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. How many times, maybe if you're younger, you haven't been asked this a lot, but if you're older and if you walk with the Lord, how many times you have younger people ask you for advice? Like, what's God's will for my life? Who should I marry? Where should I go to school? What should I study? What job should I get? What car should I get? Should I subscribe to Netflix or Hulu? What's God's will for my life? What's his will for your life? Sanctification. <laughs> Holiness. That's his will. His deepest, one of his deepest desires is just that you would look more like him. I mean, I know God cares about what we do. He cares about who we marry, clearly. But more than anything, he cares about our holiness. So when you ask all those questions, or if you're a young person, or if you're an older person, and someone asks you that question, give them this little word of wisdom. Say, what, do you th- what place, what job, what thing, what choice that is laid out before you, what choice might grow your purity of heart the most? What choice might grow holiness in your heart the most? And from that place, view it through the lens of being sanctified. Every choice is going to be very clear, I believe. If it's not, you choose, God will back you up. He will. Because if you say every day, God, make me holy, no matter where you're at, you're going to be fine. And the choice might not be the same or the obvious choice. Like if it's between spirit-filled Bible school or... LSU party school. I'll say LSU because I went to Arkansas. Arkansas is a, a pretty big party school too, depending on what you choose. Every school, is, it's, it's all, you can choose whatever you want when you get to school. <laughs> so you have the same battles wherever you go. It might, God might be like, actually, you're going to be purified and sanctified more if you go to LSU rather than that spirit-filled battle school because I'm going to test your face. I'm going to try it. You're going to really have to choose so just ask him. He'll show you. Every big question in life, his will for your life, according to 1 Thessalonians 4, sanctification or growing in holiness. Third, the necessity for holiness. It is a great need for our hearts. It's not an option. It's a command. It's his will. And it's a real need for our deepest longings in our hearts. So we're going to look at two verses here, Hebrews 12, 14, and Matthew 5, 8. We're clearly going to see the motive in these two verses behind purity, behind holiness. This is the deepest reason why we would, would make the choice even today to keep pursuing holiness, to keep pursuing, pursuing sanctification. Writer of Hebrews, pursue peace with all people. We'll talk about guarding our mouth, and that's a big way we can keep peace with people is we don't talk bad about them. We, we uplift them. We cover their backs. Pursue peace with all people and pursue holiness or purity, inward purity, without which no one will see the Lord. I want to see the Lord. 
every day as much as I can. That's why I pursue holiness. That's why I run after it. Because I want to see him more. I want to see his hand. I want to see his activity. I want to see his face. That's why I pursue holiness. Matthew 5, 8, words of Jesus. Blessed or happy are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Same idea. Writer of Hebrews, Jesus himself, they're agreeing fully. The pure in heart or the holy in heart have a promise that they will see God. I want to see God just like I want to see the Lord, the same person. <laughs> so I'm going to pursue purity of heart. What a promise. I ask people sometimes their favorite beatitude, which is Matthew, the first part of Matthew chapter 5. And this has to be my favorite one. It's been my favorite one for a few years. Because it's the goal. It's the ultimate goal of our lives is to see more of God. That's why we spend time in worship, prayer. He is the joy of our hearts. Not his blessings, but he himself. He's the goal. He's, he's why heaven is heaven. He's why heaven is good. He's why heaven is a, a world full of love. Is because he's fully there. Cool. Holiness clearly equals purity of heart. These two verses, when you put them together, you see that holiness equals purity of heart in the New Testament. You'll see there on your little notes a nice, concise definition of holiness for us. In the middle of your notes, it's in bold under Hebrews 12 and Matthew 5, 8. It says, holiness is a purity of heart motivated by a passion to see Jesus. That's what holiness is for us, a purity of heart motivated by a passion to see Jesus. That's the why. All right, let's get down to the practical steps to growing in holiness. This is what this whole series is about is, okay, we have all this nice cloud theory. How do we actually put it into action and walk it out and grow in purity, grow in holiness? Let's get down to brass tacks. I love that phrase, brass tacks. Where does that come from? Does anyone know? You said my mom. <laughs> is it Latin? Brass tacks. I'm just, I just pictured just brass tacks. It's getting. Okay. Before we jump into the first step, I want to preview how I got to this first step. So on Mondays, Brooke goes into the office downtown. And so I have the great honor, the great privilege to watch our baby girl pretty much by myself. Sometimes if it's like a day off, like last Monday, you were home, helping, grandma was helping watch. A lot of times it's just me and Lane and milk. Because without the milk, it would be bad, bad story. A lot more crying, a lot less peace. But Monday is my day at home with little Lane. And this last Monday, actually Brooke was home with as well, but it was, I was kind of in that mode where I was taking care of Lane. And so I had Lane in her little teepee, which is like this colorful thing where she lays underneath this little spindle of things that she likes and she grabs them. So I have her there and I'm reading Zechariah chapter 10 because it's part of my daily reading. I'm going through Zechariah. I'm reading it out loud because I believe that her little spirit can receive it. And her little spirit isn't little. Like, God's created her fully. She's a full human being. She can receive it. So I'm reading out loud, mainly for me, but also for her. 
be honest. <laughs> I need to be filled up, but I'm like, I'm going to read it out loud and actually talk with you, Lane, over some of these points. And I'll, you can just look at me, but that's, I mean, that's what Christian parents do. <laughs> they read the word. They do, they live their life before God and their, their parents watch. So I'm reading, and then I switch to chapter 11. I get done with 10, and I decide to actually, I get the idea to, to go on the piano in our, in our house and just start singing the verses. I hadn't done that in a while. But as soon as I started, Zechariah 11.1, 1, you can go ahead and put up that verse. Actually, it's in the slide. But yeah, that's perfect. So I, oh, <laughs> She's laying there, and I just start playing. And I sing this verse, and it's like an intense verse. But I just get hit with the reality that this is the first step of holiness, and I'll explain. But I start singing. I'll sing for us. Open your doors, O Lebanon. Let fire devour your cedars. And just sing it over and over again. Open your doors, O Lebanon, that fire may devour your cedars. And it hits me. It's like, this is step one of holiness of heart. And you're like, there's trees in there. There's doors. There's Lebanon. What in the world does that have to do with holiness of heart? Well, Lebanon... <laughs> Lebanon in the Middle East was a, a very favored geographical nation because they had beautiful mountains that had beautiful springs that fed these massive cedar trees. And in the Middle East, it's a desert. There's not water in many places. So wherever there's a big tree, it means that there's water down beneath. So trees represent life because there's water. Trees represent provision because you can build things with them. So Lebanon had a lot of pride in their cedars. So the invitation from the Lord through Zechariah is the cedars of our heart, the pride of our heart, which is the root of all sin. All sin, the root of it is pride. Open your heart. Let the fire, the purifying fire of God burn away the cedars in our heart. <laughs> Open your doors of, of your heart. We sang it earlier. Fling wide the doors. Welcome the refining, the purifying fire of God to burn up the cedars of pride, to burn up the impurities in our heart. There's a picture of a heart with a bunch of trees growing out of it. When you welcome, when you do this verse, it's the first step, which is praying and singing for God to purify your heart. Holiness is a spiritual battle. So we need spiritual weapons. First and foremost, that's why it's the first step. We have to cry out to the God who is holy, who has the power to make us clean, who has the power to make us holy, to purify and burn up our cedars. Open your doors, O Lebanon, that fire may devour your cedars. I was like, Lane, that's the first point. That's the first point, Lane. She's still sleeping. She just looked at me. She didn't get it. She will if she listens to this one day. As soon as she's able to start comprehending, we'll play her this message. But that's the first step. It's a spiritual battle, guys. We have to use spiritual means. And our biggest spiritual weapon, guys, is our prayer. It's our song. 
It's our, it's our voice. It's our glory of our voice to speak to the refining God and say, I open up my heart. I lay everything bare before you, everything in my soul. It's yours. Send your fire. Purify my heart. Just like you purify gold in the, in the Bible times, you still purify it the same way. Purify silver. You send it through the fire. All of the impurities come to the top or to the bottom, depending on the density of them. You scrape them away. You do it again. There's still some impurities. You scrape them away. You do it again. Fire, fire, fire. To where with silver, it's seven times you do that, and then you, you have pure silver. So think of your hearts. So when you first step, <laughs> praying and singing for purity, you're basically saying, God, burn me now so I'm not burned later. <laughs> Purify me now so I'm not, I don't have any regret on that day. That day when I meet you, I have no regret. Purify me now, burn me now so I don't get burned later. And guys, this fire of God, it's not, just like his command, it's not something to be afraid of. This is good stuff. His fire is very specific. It's not just some wildfire. He doesn't just destroy you or make you so, see, he doesn't make you see everything at once because then you just crumble. You feel like, I'm, I can't even get up. <laughs> he's specific, he's pointed, he's measured. His fire is not cruel, it's intentional, it's healing fire. He incrementally burns things up in our lives as we invite him through this first step, prayer and song. Malachi 3, 2 through 3 says this, but who can endure the day of his coming and who can stand when he appears? For he, the Lord himself, is like a refiner's fire. This is how Malachi saw him. He is like launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. Picture him sitting on your hearts as a refiner and purifier of silver. He will, here's a promise, he will purify the sons of Levi. Sons of Levi were priests. In the New Testament were called priests and kings. He will purify you. He will purge them as gold and silver. There's another promise. So that, here's the end goal, they may offer to the Lord an offering in righteousness. That means when you step in here and you sing your song, you pray your prayer, you're clean, you're pure. Your offering is righteous. What a promise. So here's a practice prayer for the first step. You can close your eyes and just pray this. Go ahead and do step one with me. I'm going to do it over my own heart. Lord, I invite you to take your place on the throne of my heart today, right now. Would you sit as a refiner and a purifier? Only you can burn up those cedars of pride and sin that try to grow up every day. Only you, Lord, can make me clean. Only you can make me pure. Only you can make me holy. Amen. That's step one. You could sing that too, just like I sang Zechariah 11.1. I kind of stumbled in <laughs> to step one. So here's the conclusion of step one. Invite and allow the refiner to sit over your heart every day through targeted prayers and songs for personal purity. These prayers and songs, they're very targeted. They're for a specific purpose. We can pray for power. We can pray 
for our lost friends and family. But this is, this is personal. This is God sit on my heart. Malachi saw you as a refiner. I want to see you as a refiner. I want to experience that refining fire. It's for purity. Cool. Step number two, watch your gates. Watch your gates. We're going to look at the gates of the eye, the ear, and the mouth. Keep watch over these. This is step two to growing in purity. Simple principle, guys, for all three of these. What goes in, I tell my youth all the time, what goes in will come out. (laughs) Thank you, Maggie. What goes in will come out. We're not that good. I can't sit and watch Game of Thrones or whatever thing and not start thinking that way. I'm impressionable. Praise God I'm impressionable because if I wasn't, I would never hear his voice. Watch your gates. What goes in must come out. None of us is that good. I can't watch R-rated movies and hear all the, the curse words, and then when I stub my toe, expect a curse word not to come out. It will. We have some youth who are just starting to get back <laughs> into walking with the Lord, and they'll start using cuss words when they're talking to me. But that's, I understand. For the last four years, if they've been subjecting themselves to rap music, R-rated movies, all their friends, they surround themselves, that's all they talk about, of course that's going to come out. So when I hear it, it's not, it doesn't hurt. I mean, it does a little bit, but it's not like, oh, of course. (laughs) What goes in will come out. And so this is a choice that we can make for each of these gates. And I'm going to give with each gate things to avoid and things to replace them with. Because our hearts and everything in nature, there's no vacuums. Things have to be, we can't just say no and expect just neutral. We have to choose the good and reject the bad. We have to receive the good and reject the bad. And let me just tell you, after having walked with the Lord for five or six years, I'm a satisfied customer with the pure things. And I'm a dissatisfied customer. Really, though, I'm a dissatisfied customer with with curse words, with impure images. They used to, like, just be cool to me or be funny. There's so many things that I watch now that I thought were hilarious. They grieve me. They grieve Brooke. We have to turn the channel. We have to turn them off. It's not because we're so holy. It's because God has actually caused us to choose the good. He's caused us to be satisfied with pure things. He's made his satisfied customers and dissatisfied customers of the, of the bad. So don't think, oh, I have to not do all those things. It's like they won't actually be satisfying anymore. That's a promise for someone. They won't be satisfied. If you choose today, I don't want to do those things anymore. They, they will lose their luster. They'll lose their pull. First thing, eyes. Matthew 6, words of Jesus. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good or clear or healthy, your whole body will be full of light. What a promise. <laughs> if we choose to look at holy, good, pure, righteous things, our whole body's going to emanate light, just like I saw coming out of Brooke. Brooke had only been saved for like five or six months, but she had made that choice, and she had stuck behind it, and God endorsed that with me. I saw it. 
Her whole body was full of light. It was coming out of her eyes. The eyes are the gateway to the soul. If you've ever seen someone who's down or who's walking in impurity, you can see it in their eyes. It's crazy. Jesus is right. I mean, that's not crazy, but he's, he's really right. <laughs> Here's a negative, verse 23. But if your eye is bad or evil or impure or unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. Doesn't get any more clear. Very simple. Avoid with your eyes. Lustful. Because all throughout the New Testament, it talks about purity, holiness, sanctification. It's usually in context with sexual things. Because God knows that's the most beautiful thing between a husband and a wife. So that's going to be the thing that's going to attack, be attacked the most. So avoid in real life. Avoid lustful and demonic images. And excessive social media. Really, though, social media, my dad prayed this morning. How many of you, if you're like binging social media for 20 or 30 minutes, do you feel more encouraged afterwards? Or do you feel less confident in yourself? I'm a pretty confident guy in the Lord, but even if I spend 30 minutes, <laughs> 30 minutes on social media, I'm like, I actually don't have it all going on. <laughs> I need this, I need that, because it, we're not that good. So watch your time on social media. Watch what you're, what you're feeding your eyes. In real life, this is super practical, men. Lustful things. My own journey, 2012, 13, when I was getting delivered, I physically, because women are all around us, and depending on what context you're in on a college campus, they don't always wear the most holy Susanna Wesley-type garb from 1700s. <laughs> So if you see someone, where we live in real life, and there's girls walk around the corner all the time, and you have to either make a choice. You can either look or dwell on it physically with your eyes, or you look away. And I got a word of wisdom back then just to look away. You're not that good, Kyle. Look away. So it took me about two or three months to, to train my eyes to look away. But then it was easy. It was natural. And now it doesn't, it doesn't have a pull because I've made five years of choices not to look at it. <laughs> so it's easy. It's a habit. It's a good habit. That's true for anyone, though. Look away. If it's on TV, movies with your eyes, turn the channel. Just turn the channel. Fast forward. Turn it off. Read the rating reviews before you go into a movie. If you find yourself in a movie that you're being subjected to bad language, like things that are impure, things that you're watching, walk out. That'll be a huge witness to someone, and it'll save the purity of your heart. Social media, like I said, delete the app or limit your time on it. <laughs> Here's the things we replace with, with our eyes, our eye gate. Other than the Word of God, which is the best thing that we can fill our eyes with, the actual words on the page hitting our hearts, becoming real, creation. Think of your eyes. Think of creation. I am astounded how much of a hippie I've become. I am like, I love nature. I get it why the, like, people start hugging trees. Because God has given us this palette, beautiful palette. He's given us sunsets, sunrises, clouds, blue, every color you can imagine in nature. He's given it given it to us to show us about himself, that he's creator, that he's beautiful, that he's satisfying. You don't need a 12-hour Netflix show to satisfy you. 
That's the first thing you can replace with creation, other than the Word of God. Two, uplifting documentaries. If you, I, we still like to watch things on TV or, or the, watch something that's uplifting. That's on courage. Something with a theme of courage and positive things, like Sea Biscuit. I don't know why I just thought of Sea Biscuit. <laughs> Everyone go watch Seabiscuit after this. <laughs> Wholesome images and stories. Three, read, other than the Bible, read books on missionaries, inspiring figures, heroes in the faith. Other wholesome hobbies are good to look at. Sports, they're good. <laughs> other wholesome things, like you can, if you like to paint, VeggieTales is good. Um, <laughs> If you like to paint, other, other wholesome hobbies, that's what you can, your eye gate. Okay, let's move quickly. Y'all doing okay? Cool. Ears, second thing. Philippians 4.8, this is our ear gate, what we listen to. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, praiseworthy meditate on these things or hear these things, chew on them, think on them. Amen. The verse says it all. If you're hearing things that are contrary to everything listed here, that's actually going into your heart to, to be like an impurity. But if you're focusing on these things, if you're choosing things to listen to that are noble, just, pure, lovely, good report, virtue, praiseworthy, your heart's going to become pure. In real life, guys, avoid negative talk from other people. Remember, this is your ear gate. Don't surround yourself with people who are negative, who gossip, who slander. Reject it. Practically, if someone is just gets into that spirit, which is oftentimes fueled by a demonic spirit or just in, insecurity, which, which is demonic, because God is the ultimate secure God, and he says you're loved, so you shouldn't have to talk about someone else. You can ask the person practically, hey, that's hurting my heart. Like, that's, I don't like those words about that person. And if they receive you, great. You've actually done a, a great thing. If they keep talking, walk away. If someone comes up and says, hey, guess what I heard about Pastor Nate? That other than, other than that he's awesome. And then I start telling you things. You'd be like, hey, don't talk that way. That's my brother. I know his heart. Even if those things are true, you go talk to him. Don't talk to me. Talk to him. And then if I keep going, then just walk away. And then I'll be like, oh, wait, I shouldn't have done that. And then you'll, you'll save your heart, and you'll save the, your friend's heart because you won't listen to it. So your ear in real life, reject gossip, slander, negative talk, hopeless or faithless chatter. Just walk away. Clearly with media, phones, if they aren't on that list, or if you can't make them a part of that list, don't look at it, or don't, don't listen to it. Okay. We know what to replace it with, Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Psalm 119.9, how can a young person stay on the path of purity? That's what this whole message is about. By living according to your word. Word of God. We have promised purity here simply by the spoken word of God. I love what Sloan Adams said. Sometimes you just got to hear 
the audio Bible. You got to hear the unadulterated, pure word of God. That's, those are the words out of his mouth. So when you're on a, in a car, you have free time, just turn on the audio Bible. If you don't want to pay, I think the Bible app has a lot of free versions. I like the New King James. I paid like 30 bucks for all the New Testament. If you don't have the money, I'll pay for it. I'm going to get that back in heaven times 100. If you want the New King James, you got to hear the Bible. Crank it, pure, unadulterated Bible. Just play it. You're going to be pure. Worship music, another thing in your ear. It'll just fill you, fill you, fill you. Here's my hippie coming out again. The sounds of nature. The birds, actually, they're real. They fill you. (laughs) You're like, oh, my gosh, God, you're real. You care for him. You care for me. Fourth thing in real life, surround yourself with positive, encouraging people who are filled with the Holy Spirit to overflowing, who, people who fill, who live out that Philippians 4.8 verse. Maggie, you're one of those people. You live it out. Through these friends, you are going to fill your ear gate with life. It'll go a long way to purify you. So with this last step, you might have to get new friends. <laughs> You don't separate yourself entirely because you've got to win them, but you might have to choose new friends. Say, hey, our relationship has to change. Either one thing, I can't really hang out with you as much, or our relationship, our dynamics have to change. We have to start speaking life and not talking so much about other people. Okay, third thing, last thing. Thanks for bearing with me, guys. Mouth. Last gate. And remember with all these things, guys, You'll become a satisfied customer with the good, the pure, and you'll become a dissatisfied customer with the the impure. As you daily do step one, which is pray for purity. He won't let you get away with it. Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. This is speaking all about our mouth gate. So what should we avoid? The verse tells us plainly, corrupt words or words that aren't pure. That's gossip, ourselves, lies, half-truths, exaggeration, which is a lie, (laughs) underselling things, false humility, that's a lie. If God does something amazing, give him all the glory. Don't be like, oh, it was kind of an awesome story. No, it was great. Be truthful. That's what comes out of our mouth, absolute truth. Also in relationships, guys, this is super practical. Avoid extremes, extreme statements like, you always do this. You always do something, you know, if you're negative, or you never do this. Like, you never do the dishes. Avoid those things because those just aren't true. Unless, like, if they literally are true, then we sh- there's more counseling that needs to happen. <laughs> But those, like, aren't true. So it's a lie. So avoid those corrupt words, because those actually, they, those are speaking identity into someone that's false. Our mouth gate, avoid flattery. Remember, the verse says necessary edification. Edification means to build up someone with your words. So avoid flattery. Flattery is, is unnecessary building up, like God hasn't prompted you to do it, and you're saying it out of insecurity or whatever reason. But flattery big time is just impure motives when you're complimenting someone. You don't really mean it, or you mean it, but you mean it for a purpose, for, for selfish advantage. So watch flattery. If you truly have an encouragement, like I had an encouragement for Karen this morning. I was like, Karen, you look beautiful this morning. That was necessary for me to say that. God's like, tell her she looks amazing this morning. 
I had to. It was an overflow. And let me tell you, you're like, well, when is it necessary to edify? I would tell you it's necessary more than you think. Because <laughs> with social media and other things, there's so many other voices saying that you're not enough. How about you be the voice that says you are enough? So edification or building up with your mouth gate is super key as a believer. Keep encouraging people. Wild is called today because the day is approaching of the Lord's return. Okay, inspiring words, hopeful words, faith-filled words. Speak the Bible. Can't go wrong there. Sing. That's the evidence of being full of the Holy Spirit. Worship team, you can go ahead and come up. And for any of these three gates, the eyes, the ears, the mouth, if there's any questionable things, if you're like, I'm not sure about that, that's okay. Like, should I watch this? Should I listen to this? Should I speak that? First of all, ask God, ask the Holy Spirit to show you specifically. Just ask him, say, hey, is this good or bad? He'll tell you. I believe he will. If you, if you don't hear anything, come and ask one of us. Come and so, ask someone you trust. But just know, you know it's going to be the barometer or the litmus test for what you should and should not watch or should and should not listen to? It's going to be your, what you're satisfied with. <laughs> it's going to be what brings you joy, what you actually have a longing to do. Because when you do step one, when you pray and sing for purity in your heart, when you invite him every day to sit as a purifier, a refiner of your heart, you're naturally going to make the right choices. You're naturally going to want desire life and not death. It just won't satisfy you anymore. So it's a lot less complicated than you might think. Last step is be transparent. Two verses, there's promises when you're transparent or you confess your sins to God and to other people. James 5.16, therefore confess, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Healing there is the Greek word sozo, which speaks of full healing, body, soul, and spirit. So there is a promise that when you confess your sins to someone that you trust, you will be healed inwardly. There's a quality of purity there with that word. Last verse here, but if we walk in the light, 1 John 1, 7, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. There's a promise. Sin and impurities, they grow and they thrive in the dark. But when we have the courage to admit them first to God and then to other people, they can't survive. Sin cannot survive in the light. It shrivels up. It runs away. It dies when it's brought out into the light with our own personal confession. Just a word of wisdom. Don't go confessing your sins and your, your failures <laughs> just to anyone or just blanket on social media. Tell someone you trust. Tell someone you trust that you know knows your heart, that you know knows your motives. Expose your sin, your impurities. I gain so much respect for someone when they come up and say, hey, I'm struggling with this. Transparency is a key to purity. Expose any of your sin, your impurities to God and people that you trust and watch your sins run and flee away just like roaches when you pull the, the curtain away and light comes in. They're going to run and they're going to flee and eventually they're going to have their heads chopped off and they're going to lose your, their power over your life. Really though, you're going to be dead to sin like the verse promises and alive to God. You can go ahead and stand up if you will. 
recap in step one, it's a spiritual battle, so we need spiritual weapons. That's why step number one is pray and sing to a spiritual God who can spiritually help you become holy. Holiness is a purity of heart motivated by a passion to see Jesus. Watch your gates, eyes, ears, mouth. What comes in will come out. And third, be transparent. Confess your sins one to another so that you may be healed, so that you may be purified. And when you confess them to God, when you walk in the light, there's a promise that his blood will purify you. Prayer teams, you can go ahead and come up. If you're on the prayer team, if you're in my dad's Sunday school class, I know he's giving you the badge to be a prayer team. Any elders or staff, whoever wants to come up and pray, you can. And my prayer and hope as we go, guys, that, is that our church's purity, our holiness, will be awe-inspiring. Take this for yourself. Say, God, I want my purity to be awe-inspiring to the world around me. I want my purity to actually shape society around me. It can, it will. I want Rift to stand out like a sequoia in, in her purity as a bride. And best part of this whole message, before Rachel sings this out, and just feel free as she sings just to come up. If any of these three areas, any of these three steps you want prayer for grace on, that you want prayer to actually stay vigilant in prayer and song over this, that you want prayer to actually make a decision to, to invite the refiner every day. You want prayer to have grace to pray. That's step one. If you want prayer for the second step, which is any of your gates, you say, I really struggle with my eye gate or my ear gate or my mouth gate. Pray for grace. It's a spiritual battle. He's going to help you when you ask for it. And if you want grace, even if you, if you need to come up, if you see someone up here you, that you trust <laughs> and you need to be transparent with, you need to get something out into the light. No, this is a promise. It will lose its power. It will. It's going to be like a cockroach that's running and fleeing and hiding, and it's running from your heart, out of your heart, as you be transparent. In this pursuit, guys, we will see God more. There's greater levels of purity always as we pursue. And the Holy Spirit is attracted to holiness. His first name is holy after all. In chemistry and nature, this is a law of nature that like attracts like. Hydrophobic molecules, molecules that are afraid of water stay together. Molecules that love water, hydrophilic, they stay together. So holy hearts attract the Holy Spirit's activity. You're gonna see him working and moving in your life. Awesome. Rachel, you can go ahead.